We Pete's Word is brought to you by DeKalb Seed from Bayer, the seed for every season. See how DeKalb hybrids and varieties perform in your area by visiting DeKalb.ca. Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, January the 27th. On this episode of The Word, we're going to start with... Pete's pick-me-ups. Man, I think we need some of them. Then some cool stuff that's come in over the last week. After that, clover, compaction, fertility, particularly potash, and finish up at the end with some specific questions, as many as I can get through before I run out of time. Let's go. First off, happy birthday to you. So glad you listened to the word to Happy birthday, dear Anthony. Looking for some feedback from you. Hey, so a really happy birthday to Anthony Hilsden, who hails from Hamilton in Victoria Province in Australia. And it's his birthday on the 28th. His family contacted us. He's a word listener in Australia. That is amazing. Said they were looking for a cool birthday present. Hey, guys, I am not going to sing happy birthday very often, but I thought that was just so cool. And Anthony, absolutely, send us some feedback. I mean, I get feedback from Argentina, from Diego. I get feedback from Constantino out of uh, uh, Greece. Like, it's just all this stuff that comes in. And... We here in Ontario and Canada, we like to know what's going on a little bit in the rest of the world. I can't focus there, but absolutely cool stuff. And a 100% happy birthday. Hope you have an awesome year there in Australia. If I ever get there, I might look you up. It could be a good visit. Next. Don. So Don's a great friend from Kerwood, and he says, Peter, I really like your 15 minutes, and please keep it up. So here is the note, by golly, everybody that listens to the word, take 15 minutes, call somebody every week. That's that's the commitment. Uh, you got to listen to the word as well. That'll take you 16 or 17, but take that 15 minutes and, and reach out because... This, we're just all under so much pressure. It means so much when somebody calls me. You guys have no idea. It's absolutely awesome. So please take that 15 minutes. Dawn took that one step further and before Christmas dropped some veg, some squash off to an elderly lady that, that he knew through church to squash. After Christmas, she phones him up and says that was the nicest gift ever that she loved. She had a squash for Christmas. She was going to have another one for New Year's. It is, it is just incredible how little kindnesses can go so far. So thanks for that story, Dawn. That's awesome. And everybody, make sure you give Wheat Pete that 15 minutes of calling somebody. And if you can think of something else, that's even better. Next, really great pick-me-up. So this uh, this is a shout-out to our daughter, Allison, and her husband, Dan. They live in London, England. And London, England is on a huge lockdown. 
And everybody's struggling to keep some physical activity. And you got to understand, both Dan and Allie have done Ironman competitions. They are physically fit. They love to get out there and exercise. The kids across the street from them were kind of going stir crazy and whatnot. So Dan challenges them to the Hambro 100. So that is ride your bike around the block. You can't, don't leave the area because you can't, but around the block 100 times. And if you do, Allison will cook you some cinnamon buns. And if you don't, you have to clean my bike five times. And they took them up on it. And it was such a great adventure. They learned something as well because the first lap, they went around that Hambroke court just like crazy. Came back after one lap and they're out of breath and panting. And it's Allie saying, whoa, guys, whoa. This is like a, a marathon. You have to learn to pace yourself. This is kind of like getting through COVID. We have to learn how to pace ourselves and get through this. We will get through this, but boy, phone somebody. Anyway, it's just so cool. The kids learned something. They got eight cinnamon buns to eat. Eh, they look so good. Good for you, Allie and Dan. Okay, enough on that. We're going to move on quickly and just, you know, this Cinderella zone corn crop. So we got the, the, uh, County yields for corn. The Cinderella zone just keeps cooking it. That that Gray Bruce Simcoe area up in that part of the world, 115 to 116 percent yields, or 114 in that range. So 15 percent higher than average. Meanwhile, you know that Pfeffer guy down in in Elgin County. He he texts me and says, "I I hear you're chirping me. Don't forget." I had a crop insurance claim on my corn. So fair enough, Adam. It's always uh, bad when I generalize anything. And uh, Elgin County had pretty good corn overall, but uh, not on Adam's farm, that's for sure. And last, before I move on to other cool stuff, I had a grower text me and kind of fun. Uh, Noah said, hey, Peter, so, you know, I love listening and everything, but you gave me some advice a couple years ago. I'm glad I didn't follow it, and I'm glad I didn't follow it. And I got, Noah, you got to tell me, like, where did I go wrong? And Noah says, well, it was September the 1st. I asked you if I should plant my alfalfa, my fall seeded alfalfa. You said it was too late. Uh, my agronomist, some other people said, no, it's not too late. Go for it. I had three years of awesome alfalfa. Hey, there you go. Johnson is not always right. And I tucked that away and say, well, maybe with climate change, we can push that alfalfa seeding later. Or maybe you just got lucky and got a really open, long fall that particular year. I don't know, but great that you had good alfalfa. Okay, enough picking on wheat peat. Moving on. Some cool things that you really should have a look at if you get a chance. From our own Lara DeMozak, she's a, a, with Real Agriculture, a post up on the Real Agriculture website, what happens to soil microbes when you till? It's a quick read, but man, is it ever insightful. And of course, you know that I'm wheat peat, but I'm also Peter No-Till, so I'm always pushing you to do less tillage. This will help you understand why the least possible amount of tillage actually makes sense. And yeah, we realize sometimes you have to do some tillage, but, but the least possible. So that's one thing to do. Next, on the Ontario Agricultural Conference website, the MTO, the live MTO session, it was quite a while coming, but it is available up on that website. If, you're, if you farm in Ontario, you really need to, to watch that session because there's just so much good information there that I think we, we have to stay safe. And that's what that is all about safe safety on the road okay going to move on and quickly from neil out in eastern ontario and, and neil's just saying you know peter 
You have to keep these people thinking in the right mindset. So Neil's a a grain originator, and he told me a story about a young grower that he works with. The young grower called him up and said, what's the price of soybeans? Neil said, right now, uh, 2021 soybeans, $14.50 a bushel. The grower said, yes, baby, I'm going to sell some. By the way, what's 2022 wheat? And Neil said, over seven bucks. I'm going to sell some of that too. And the grower's mindset is I'm not going to hit a home run. If I try to hit a home run, hit the peak of the market, that's going to fail. Instead, I'm going to try to hit singles and doubles because, you know, if you watch baseball, the team that tends to hit consistently singles and doubles, the odd triple, they are generally the teams that win. The home runs are great, but they're fewer and farther between. And so this grower is essentially got a marketing plan and he's, he's doing that. And he also said, eh, by the way, once in a while I get hit by a pitch. And this is how Johnson feels. Man, I had a marketing strategy. I had all my soybeans sold at 13 bucks and then they go to 1750 and it's just like, oh my gosh, I got, I got hit by a pitch with my 2020 crop marketing and it made me afraid, and I backed away from the plate, and I have yet to sell soybeans, and they are still $14. New crop corn is five fifty. Man, I think you got to step back up to the plate, sell some, because if that's a single, and you get a chance to hit a double down the road, man, it's all good. I don't think there's anything wrong with that strategy. So, Neil... Thanks for smacking me about that. Next up, is it time to seed? So we did the agronomist session uh, last week, Monday, with Brian Barris and myself. And Brian said, you know, we went out. He's in southern Alberta, by the way, Lethbridge. Great researcher there. Works with Agriculture Canada. Took a soil temperature plus 0.4 Celsius. So about 33 Fahrenheit for our American friends. And, and Brian said to his technicians, his, his staff, he says, we should, we should almost be out there seeding spring wheat. And I said, no, Brian, you shouldn't almost be out there seeding spring wheat. You should be out there spring, <laughs> seeding spring wheat. So don't be afraid to try some crazy things. Uh, in December, maybe not so good, but it's late January. You get a chance, particularly dry in southern Alberta, get that stuff in the ground. I really do believe that. On that note, Mike from British Columbia saying, hey, Peter, Frost seed clover. You know, we've had awesome luck. You've got us into that. We do it in March, but it's January. We have no snow. This is really weird that we have no snow. The ground is frozen. What are the pros and the cons, the risks of of seeding clover? Remember, Mike, that clover is different than spring wheat. Spring wheat, the growing point stays below ground. You seed clover in, in January. You get a nice warm February, warm March. That clover germinates, starts to grow. It's really cold tolerance, like minus nine, right up until it hits the first trifoliate stage. If it gets far enough by, let's say, late March or early April, I don't know the BC climate you're in exactly, but somewhere in that time frame, we get to that first trifoliate stage, we get one night at minus four, all the red clover is dead. So, There is more risk with that red clover or with that alfalfa than there is with spring wheat. But all I can say is try it. If it it gets killed, you can always go seed again. On the red clover note, a caller saying, hey, Peter, you know, when I seed red clover, I expect a yield bump in my corn. And yes, absolutely you should. Dave Hooker last night on Tech Talk Tuesdays, and it was the all things soil health and cover crops 
Tech Talk Tuesdays said seven bushels. That's what you get as a yield bump out of red clover on corn. And that's besides the the nitrogen credit. But the caller says, okay, cool, seven bushels. I expect that. I get it. I'm happy. But can I grow oats, harvest my oats as a forage, add some extra nitrogen to the corn crop next year to replace what the clover would have done and still get that seven bushels? And the answer, the data is really clear. The answer, at least in the short term, is not a chance. We just do not see that yield boost with with a daikon radish or with cereal rye or with oats or with multi-species mixes. Red clover does something that those other things don't seem to do. So no, you won't get that seven bushels and you will need that extra nitrogen almost for sure uh, in order just to maintain the yield after the oat crop. Okay, going to move on and just talking about Tech Talk Tuesdays. So next Tech Talk Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday night is the Tillage Tracks and Tires session. And on exactly that topic... Kevin sent me a link to a Quirks and Quarks, CBC Radio, Quirks and Quarks, Bob McDonald, cool stuff that he talks about. And it's about compaction. And we've always said that roots can't grow through compaction. Nope. Malcolm Bennett, Dr. Malcolm Bennett from the University of Nottingham in the UK has learned that roots can grow through compacted zones, but they quote unquote decide not to because when the root hits the compacted zone, the ethylene that the root produces can't diffuse in that compacted zone. The root senses the ethylene and decides not to grow where those ethylene concentrations are are higher. And remember, ethylene is a plant growth hormone it's responsible for ripening and it's a stress response right so so he's talking about mutant plants oh we got to get away from that word man <laughs> i'm not even sure he said that but but mutants just sounds all bad so about plants variants of plants where <clears throat> the roots no longer sense that ethylene and they keep growing and they'll grow through the compacted zone and that will be a good way to solve compaction Whoa, whoa, slow down, stop just a minute. Think about this. There is not much available water in a compacted zone because we squeezed all the pores out of it. There's not much biological activity, which means there's also not many nutrients available in that compacted zones. Why did plants evolve not to grow roots in compacted zones? Because they get less nutrients, less water, less of the things they need out of that same amount of energy into that root growth in the compacted zone than they do in the uncompacted zone. So what's really cool about this is where we do have compaction, if we took one of these variants and designed a cover crop that would actually keep growing its roots down through those compacted zones and break them up, that would be cool. But plants in general, I don't think we want to go there. Okay, going to move on, talk quickly about potash. So Jeff at Ormstown, Quebec, sending me an email saying, Peter, uh, I have 139 kilograms per hectare of potash. It's a very low level. I want to grow soybeans next year. Do I spread in the spring? Do I spread in the fall? And by the way, how much do I put on? I want to build my soil. So for those of you who don't understand kilograms per hectare or pounds per acre of nutrients, that's about a potash soil test of 70 parts per million. Quite simple math. Multiply by two, you get pounds per acre or kilograms per hectare. So it's definitely low and good for you, Jeff, that you want to, you want to build that spread in the spring. The soybeans will respond. Horst has shown that time and time again, spread in the spring, 
probably 200 pounds of product. We have to be careful how much salt index we get there, but it takes about 20 pounds of potash in order to build your soil test one part per million. So you'll be putting uh, 200 pounds of products, 120 actual potash. So that's six parts per million. But remember, you have to back out what the soybean crop removes or what crop removal is. So I think you start there, the beans come off, you probably spread some more, and you just continue to soil test and look at removal, balance removal of your potash, and then the build factor at about 20 pounds per acre. Meanwhile, Trevor in Saskatchewan saying, hey, Peter, I've been putting 100 pounds of map with my uh, wheat seed, my spring wheat seed. It's been working great. I'm growing barley this year. Do I do the same thing? Uh, by the way, my barley, uh, that field, we've seen potash deficiency. And do I put some right with the seed? If so, how much? And the answer, Trevor, as you know, yes, barley responds to the phosphorus. Keep it coming. But what's really interesting is wheat doesn't respond to potash. Barley does. And that's work out of Manitoba. So really cool stuff. I think add about 30 pounds with the seed. Put the rest down the fertilizer chute. Uh, Trevor's on 10-inch centers, double shooting. So he has that opportunity. And I think you'll have an awesome barley crop. I am out of time. Look at that. That's it. That's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com. This is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, January 27th. Keep the messages coming. And we will talk to you next week. Bye now. Wheat Pete's Word has been brought to you by DeKalb Seed from Bayer. Choose the seed that puts in as much work as you do. Choose DeKalb, the seed for every season. Learn more at DeKalb.ca.